That Don't Sound Right is a podcast about talking, talking the way we did before the internet, when you could not prove anyone right or wrong. All the expertise was contained in the people involved with the conversation. I'm Peter. I'm Cecil. And I hope you enjoy our conversations. And as you listen, if you find yourself silently saying, that don't sound right, send us a comment. You're one of us. Welcome back to another episode of That Don't Sound Right, a podcast about talking. We're your co-hosts. I'm Peter Billman. I'm Cecil Davis. And we're just trying to have a conversation without Googling or fact-checking things online. Those things can so easily kill the conversation. Yeah, you know, normally we have a great example right now of how that occurs, but... I do have an example. Do you really? I do. I was traveling uh, not too recently, uh, and I was traveling with some of my Swedish counterparts, and we were talking about the podcast, and I told them about the concept, He go, and one guy said, you know, when my friends and I get together, we have this policy, we put our phones down, and we just talk it out, and that's exactly what we're going to do here tonight. And where are we, Cecil? We're not because in it Kansas sounds City. if to the to the discerning ear, it doesn't quite sound like the Camel City studio, does it? It does not, nor the annex. Where are we? We are at uh, Second Harvest Food Bank. And with us tonight is the CEO of the Second Harvest Food Bank of Northwest North Carolina, Eric Aft. Welcome to the show. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for hosting us tonight. We want to get into a topic that uh, holds that has been close to us over the past couple weeks. If people know that uh, we are a proud sponsor of the Ardmore Ra, and that is the race against hunger or the run against hunger, and it is a fundraiser that benefits the Second Harvest Food Bank of North, Northwest North Carolina. Uh, one of the things that it's the way the the, food, the race got started was a startling statistic, and the statistic was for our county, and it was about food insecurity uh, for for folks that live in our county. And the statistic was at the time we were in the top ten in the state. Actually, I think even in the nation and that the, there was some stats out about that. Okay, we're top ten in the nation. Uh, for food insecurity in our county. And uh, when we first heard that, we, we naturally said, that don't sound right. And we didn't say it necessarily in disbelief. We just said it, in, it was just an incredible statistic. We wondered, how could this be happening right, um, right under our noses? Yep. And so uh, we didn't know we were going to have this opportunity, but really welcome to the show and thank you for taking time tonight. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So, anyways, we're glad to be here. We're glad to have you on the show. And we've got, uh, you know, we're going to do it like we normally do. We know this is a little more serious topic than we typically uh, do on the show, but it's one that we wanted to do on the lead up to the Rob. So, appreciate that. You're going to kick us off? Yeah. So, Eric, just quickly tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the food bank. Right. Well, it's, I hate talking about myself. I always define it as, in context of my family. So I have an incredible wife of 25 years and she's a PhD candidate, um, you know, just working her tail off with that uh, in history. So I'm so proud of her. Um, I have an amazing son who's band director of an, at a high school over in the Raleigh area, one of the best in the state, one of the best band directors. 
high school, I'm sure, is great, but he's outstanding. Um, and then I have a daughter who is getting her uh, master's in clinical mental health counseling. She's going to be a great asset to helping people who are struggling, uh, as so many are, uh, with mental health challenges right now. And um, so that's that's me. And, and I've been in human services for um, 33, actually just under 34 years now. Okay. And, um, you know, is really an you know, my calling, uh, I actually did about 10 months at Wake Forest, did some fundraising, absolutely loved it, but knew that I needed to return to human services. Um, and that's actually how I came to the food bank. Okay. Back in 2017, um, Clyde Fitzgerald was uh, getting ready to retire and they began a search and one of the board members said, you know, they're looking for somebody. And I said, I don't know if this is going to be a great match. But after sitting there with the board and, and knowing already so many of the folks who, who work in this building, um, it, it, was, it was a great opportunity. And I felt like I could really help the organization and, you know, help strengthen our team. But most importantly, get a chance to work with amazing people and individuals who care about this community and wanted to address food insecurity and its root causes. Uh, its root causes. So it's... Uh, it's, it's been very special six years. Tell me cool quick about human services in that sector. What is What does all that entail? Yeah, really it's about nonprofits that focus on human beings. It's okay. as simple as that is helping to, uh, you know, improve uh, their, their uh, uh, lot. Um, they're oppor- giving them opportunities to, uh, whether it's children, families, seniors. And for me, it's all based in providing individuals the opportunity to reach his or her potential as they define it. Mm. That's what drives me every single day. Uh, it's not necessarily about food insecurity, but food is foundational. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is what, when we get up in the morning, if we don't have access to healthy food, um, it's going to be a tough day. Um, you can imagine the impact on kids uh, who are going to school or uh, a, an adult who's going to work and has not had food for you know, 24 hours and is trying to you know, drive a forklift and maybe you know, doesn't have the focus they need or a child who has to take a quiz and they didn't get a nutritious breakfast or maybe last night's dinner was you know, not the most nutritious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we're here is to make sure those elements and that healthier food is on the table of our neighbors facing uh, food insecurity and we can all make a difference. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this, this statistic. I, we kind of alluded to at the very beginning, and we've heard the statistic, um, some version of the statistics, early on uh, when the when the RAW first started. Where are we now, and what is that statistic? Right. So overall, one in seven individuals in, in our region, serving the 18 counties, as, as you mentioned, of Northwest North Carolina, 18 counties in the region, um, and, you know, this is true about Forsyth or, you know, in the surrounding areas. So one in seven overall, but also one in five of our kids face food insecurity, which is defined as uncertainty of where your next healthy meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about it, you know, one in five, you know, 20 percent of 20%. our kids are facing that that challenge. It's uh, as one of our favorite um uh, advocates who we, we lost in the past year, she would say, um, you know, hunger is unacceptable. Well, that's, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And that's, I think, what drove us to want to talk to you and get the word out to 
dozens of our listeners. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish we had more that would hear this message, but maybe they will tell. Maybe um, they'll tell a friend. They will tell a friend. They will have conversations. Maybe they'll do a little investigating on their own. That'd be great. And it also be, we actually have a large uh, overseas listenership now. It's, it'd be interesting to see what gets written into us as they hear about this, because right. you know, America, I think, is thought about as a very prosperous country. And this, the area that we live in in the state is also very, tends to be a very prosperous area. And so this is, that's one of the reasons it surprises me, the statistic. Um, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. And, you know, there is this perception of U.S. as the land of opportunity, which, which it is. Um, but that opportunity can be hard to come by for many of our residents for a variety of reasons. And, um, and you know, it, it, when we think about that statistic mm-hmm. and we say, well, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, we all live in, you know, the spheres that we live in. Mm-hmm. So if we have kids in school, we are taking our kids to school, picking them up, maybe involved in their sports or after school activities or summer activities. We go to the grocery stores in a certain area. We go shopping in a certain area. But we don't go to areas which, um, you know, we have large swaths of our population who are economically challenged. And um, it is a reality. So it's, it's just not present, you know, from a visual standpoint for so many folks. So they just don't say, oh, this is a need in our community. Um, and that's one of the things, and one of the great things about being uh, on with, with the two of you is it's a story that's important to tell and to, to raise it up and, and ask the questions. Why does this exist? Where is it? What's going on in the community that creates this challenge? Yeah. Can we get into some of Did you want? Yeah, that's what I was curious about is what does kind of create that challenge, do you think? Gosh, I, if I had, you know. <laughs> You've got. <laughs> I, I have a lot of thoughts on that, whether yeah. they are completely, uh, you know, accurate or not is, is something else. Um, oh, well, that, that, you're, those are perfect for this, yeah, that's perfect for this podcast. You're a good company on this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there are some things that I'm, I'm very confident okay. that are the drivers behind it. Uh, I, I would hope, given my job, that if, <laughs> if I didn't, that, that'd be in trouble. But, you know, some are not, are somewhat controversial from, in, in some ways. Um, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, here in our community, about 15% of individuals live in poverty. Okay. But a statistic that is, I kind of focus on is just simply from the U.S. Census. Um, sorry for actually referencing, you know. Oh, we're, we do data. Okay. We do data. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, can, you, can, you, can, you can put down some data. Yeah. All right. So um, the U.S. Census data with their American um, Community Survey looking at strata of household income. Yeah. And I always look at $35,000 or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and because when you think about if a household is making $35,000 or less, you know that's, that it's gonna face, you're gonna face some challenges if you're, you're there, whether it's trying to pay for rent, um, and we can get into that more, and you know, food on the table, utilities, you know, transportation, Child care, again, mm-hmm. something we can get into. Yeah. Um, so family, you know, if a family is in a household making under 35, it's a tough situation. So we have 27% of households in Forsyth County wow. that make $35,000 or less. That's an incredible statistic. Yeah. So right there. Right, right. You know, and in, in, our, in our region, you know, you take a Wilkes County, um, where that number is over 35%. Hmm. So, 
you know, either one, you have to, you kind of start out saying, okay, well, if we just said, you know, 20% of kids are facing food insecurity, but 27% of households have incomes of $35,000 or less, we shouldn't be really surprised. Right. Um, and, uh, and then you just put the other pressures of life, um, you know, as I, I just referenced, you know, we've seen inflation. Everybody talks about going to the grocery store, it's more expensive. But it's housing inflation, mm-hmm. especially rental. Um, you, we've actually had a volunteer who shared that her father, who's on a fixed income, you know, his rent doubled in the past year. Wow. Um, I think she said from 800 to uh, $1,600. Um, in Greensboro, a one-bedroom apartment had the highest uh, percent increase in the entire nation. Wow. Um, you know, Winston-Salem wasn't that far behind. Now, I will say, again, because we know what you can do with statistics, <laughs> um, is two-bedroom apartments did not see as dramatic of a rise. But it's still, if you're on a limited income and your rent goes from 1000 to $1,200. Yeah, that's, that's big. That's, that's huge. That's big. And we've seen a lot of folks. And then child care you know, which can cost a family $700 a month, Mm. um, has gotten harder to find. Um, There is, you know, with some changes in federal policy, we are likely to see a reduction in the number of child care facilities and child care slots that are subsidized. And so it is just going to get harder for families um, and it'll impact our economy. So it's it's interesting how this, there's a ripple effect of all of this of, it's not just about food assistance, and it's not just about people struggling. Is it, we all live in community, and so you know what what happens to one family truly does affect all of us, and that's why getting involved, whether it be you know in our work or something else, someone is passionate about, is so so important. Mm, that's interesting. That actually brings up a yeah. good question for us: is how how is how can we be involved? What's the ways that we access Second Harvest as you know volunteers or for our company or? Yes, we you know we live on volunteers. We literally pre-pandemic, um, we literally had enough volunteers, and the hours they put in would be equal to us having twenty-three more full-time employees. Uh, during the pandemic, we were able to execute our work, which you know we never closed a day. Mm. Um, you know, we, we needed to ramp up our work. I'm so proud of our team during that time. But even now, I mean, it's, it, we're seeing numbers that are just off the charts. But, you know, the National Guard came in and helped us, no which was great. Wow. Um, and we're, we're getting back our volunteer numbers, but they're not where we need them to be. Um, so, you know, coming in and volunteering, which includes sorting food, getting it ready to get out to our partner agency network of 515 programs across the region. We're doing community meals, which is basically trade meals for kids and seniors. Okay. Um, working in our, uh, our education garden, um, helping out with our nutrition team. A uh, lot of ways to get involved, and, and we're continuing to figure out more and more Opportunities, but the core ways are certainly sorting food and helping us prep those community meals that we were getting about 12,000 out every week of those wow. and out our door every single day of the 
um, building we're in, we're moving about 35 tons of food. So Out of this building? Out of this building. Wow. Yeah. It's... Uh, Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that you know we're we're not even keeping up with demand. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, our team and the volunteers are doing an outstanding job. So, who, where does the food come from? Yeah, multiple sources. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we always love community food drives. Businesses can another way to get involved is to host a, a food and funds drive. You know, whether people want to make cash donations or you know mm-hmm. bring in something that they enjoy eating mm-hmm. um, or they have found that's good and nutritious. We try to emphasize that when you're donating is everybody loves some Oreos, but, you know, get those for yourself. Um, you know, go get, um, you know, some canned chicken, canned right. tuna, uh, pasta. Yeah. I want to interrupt you on this just for a minute. Yeah. That, so uh, we, we, Peter and I both have been to Haiti uh, and. No, I've not been to Haiti. I thought you I've been to Dominican Republic. You've been to Dominican. And one of the things I noticed when people, they would receive supplies, some of the supplies were not usable. Like, um, you, like we, you know, I was helping set up a pharmacy and I saw stuff that people sent very well meaningly, or very, meaning very well, but it was just, un, it was completely unusable. Like uh, a bottle of gummy vitamins in an equatorial country is useless because it just becomes a jar of jelly. Because uh, you can't store it, or um, or uh, Makes sense. right, or just there's certain things. Are there certain things that you receive that just are are not usable? We we do. I mean, one is we're very attuned. It's um, we have a system in place of where we of course assess everything for its quality, meaning. You know, in, in your in your pantry at home, you may see, oh, this can of soup, its best use date was, you know, August 13th. I should get rid of it. No, it's it's good for a lot longer than that. Um, but we have um, verified sources that we use to make sure that anything that gets distributed is um, safe and, and will be helpful to the individual receiving it. And there's certain things, um, you know, like baby formula that, um, uh, you know, once it hits that best use date, if it's past it, it does not leave this facility. It goes into uh, landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but so we do get quite a bit. You know, we pay a pretty hefty landfill fee for things that get donated. Usually it's things that just are not usable. We, we work with a lot of grocery partners who do fantastic things with us. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every grocery store you can name, mm-hmm. they are a partner with us. Um, you know, um, and there's most of the, the things that they provide we can use and sort and get to uh, our partners to get it out the door as quickly as possible to those in need. Um, but sometimes there are things, especially produce, that um, they're like, okay, this is ready to donate. and mm-hmm. Maybe it sits a little bit too long. We mm-hmm. get it mm-hmm. and we can't do, we can't do anything with it. Well, actually, we can give it to a pig farmer mm-hmm. and get it back in the ecosystem mm-hmm. and no landfill fees with oh, it. Yeah. But we do get items we can't use, and um, we make sure to sort through that, and we dispose of it. Um, there's some sustainability things that we're actually working on that will mm. reduce how much we have to go the, the landfill. Yeah. Um, other than pig farmers, um, there's some <laughs> other things we're working on, too. Like bananas. You don't take bananas. I don't even know why I buy a banana. Why do I buy bananas? I buy three bananas. We eat one, two, or two, yeah. two, two, two go bad. Right. Yeah. Don't don't donate produce. That's a big thing. And you know, um, 
you know, the things that we get, you know, mm-hmm. when somebody's cleaning out their pantry, mm-hmm. oh, we, we never use those artichoke hearts. Right. Mm-hmm. There's probably a reason yeah, you didn't. Yeah, um, right. Or, uh, you know, heart of palm that, yeah. you know, somebody got, oh, I might do that recipe. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, we, people always ask, do I donate food or do I do, donate funds? Mm. And yes, we can leverage our buying power with the use of funds. Mm. However, it's whatever someone's called to do right, right. Um, because they're all going to make a difference. But if you're going to donate food, donate what your family enjoys. Yeah. Because right. chances are another family is going to enjoy that exact same food. Right, right. Uh, we were talking about, you mentioned grocery stores as being good partners. Um, a part of the part of the equation on food insecurity are these things called food deserts. Can you talk about that a little? Sure, absolutely. Which which plays all into this this part of um, you know the challenges that we face of access to healthy food. You know why we have food insecurity. So generally, a food desert is that uh, a neighborhood or an area does not have easy access to um, healthy food options. Mm-hmm. So in Forsyth County, East Winston is a massive food desert. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, the corner of MLK and New Walkertown, you've got a wonderful um, food lion right, right. there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing else. If you mm-hmm. keep going down New Walkertown, kind of as you're headed towards uh, Winston Lake YMCA, the Community Care Center, Carver High School, nothing. yeah, there's corner stores. The corner stores tend to be more expensive, and very few of them are going to carry, you know, fresh items, whether it be fresh meat or produce and that type of things. Um, so, you know, the fact is, is that where I live, um, you know, in 12 minutes, I can get to 12 grocery stores. Yeah. Um, how that, how everybody stays in business, I have no idea. Um, but if, um, you know, for our neighbors who live in East Winston or... Um, even parts of the north end of town. Yeah. You know, if you don't have transportation, it's right. almost impossible to get easy access to uh, fresh meat, dairy, and, and produce. Any thoughts about how that can be resolved? Well, I can tell you what we're doing, you know, from an outreach standpoint. You know, the other pieces is it's, you know, but maybe to directly answer your question is, it's all about economic structures. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't blame any of our grocery partners for, you know, they have to make business decisions to say where where should we put a store that will make a profit because that's what they're in business to do. They also have a community responsibility. They all do a pretty good job of that, usually engage with us and our partners. They're, they're doing that. Um, you know, of course, accepting SNAP benefits and that type of thing, which... Um, is a great investment for the community, by the way, as a side note, is for every SNAP dollar spent, mm-hmm. you know, there's a be- community a benefit of $1.79. Mm. Um, plus, for every meal that we provide, and, you know, that was over $8 million here just in Forsyth County alone last year, wow. over $32 million across the region, is SNAP is providing nine. So that's really important. Um, so... You know, just as a kind of a side note with that, but, um, you know, aside from the economic drivers, you know, the grocery stores are doing what they can. So how do we get creative with, you know, providing the right level of benefits to individuals? Because, again, 
as I just said, it's a good economic investment, mm-hmm. but it's also a good economic investment for families and workers. You know, you're going to have kids that are going to be more successful in school, mm-hmm. workers who are more focused, parents who can be more present for their kids because they're not, you know, saying, oh, you know, little Bobby and little Susie, you guys, you know, go ahead and enjoy your dinner. Mom will eat later. Mm-hmm. Mom's not eating later. Yeah. Um, so that's not healthy for the family unit. So make sure we have the right policies is really important. Um, and then... You know, we have our strategies with mobile outreach, mm-hmm. making sure our partners are strategically located or we're supporting folks to do some outreach in areas that help people have easier access to um, uh, to food assistance. So an example of that is being a place where it's, it's easy to get to where public transportation is serving or even going to places where it's really hard to get to, making it possible for people to access that your food that's exactly right you know one of our good partners uh hope that we provide a, a mass we, we actually average providing 83 percent of the food that all our partners are distributing mm. and so you know we we are kind of the wholesaler if you will um you know, as well as doing direct assistance ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, so our partner Hope does a lot of mobile distribution. Um, you know, here in Forsyth County, we have others who do it in other counties, you know, whether it be up in Ash County or in Guilford, um, in Rockingham, folks who are going out. We're going to very soon, we already have started to complement that with some produce outreach. It started about a year and a half ago to enhance that to go where they aren't, are not going. Um, And then we're actually going to be launching another initiative with a mobile pantry that will be going again to more food deserts to provide both produce as well as shelf-stable food to complement that network of 515 programs that we support. Okay. So I hope uh, I volunteered with, and that's that's, uh, Help Our People Eat, right, HOPE, and they provide on the weekends... I know I've been around with them on Sundays, and they take meals and then and produce and, then produce well. and right. recipes to use whatever produce they have. Yeah, that's a really important. And we have a whole nutrition team here, and uh, you know, even YouTube videos that we create about how to you know prepare healthy food, healthy mm-hmm. snacks for kids. Um, you know, it's it's important for all of us. Um, but if if for instance we get a, a big donation of eggplant. You know, that's not exactly the main, you know, vegetable that, you know, a family picks up. So what do I do with this? Um, You know, helping folks figure that out or tomatillas or things that we may get a nice donation of. Um, And so he's like, okay, thank you. Um, But and, and, and importantly... In most of our pantry, some we encourage is a ch- choice pantry experience. Mm-hmm. So people are shopping to get what their family will right. eat mm-hmm. and meet the nutrition requirements. Because if you have somebody in your household who's a diabetic, you want to make sure to not get a bunch of sugary foods. Um, mm-hmm. And the same thing is with produce. But we will also enhance you know, those choices by saying, oh... This is what you can do with the tomatella. Oh, that's perfect. Um, or this is what you could do with an eggplant that your family would really enjoy. You know, this is how you do eggplant parmesan, and it'd be a lot of fun. And you know, it, it's healthy, healthier, and um, you know, awesome recipe. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a really cool program, I think. 
So tell me about some other long-term solutions that, uh, that the food bank is looking at, that you know uh, other, that, the, that other organizations are looking at, and that we can participate in. Absolutely. You know, here we really have a dual mission to address the immediate challenges of uh, food insecurity and hunger, as well as its root causes. The main thing, if you visit our, our facility or you're out, even out in the community um, at a local restaurant, you're going to enjoy or, or see in action our culinary training program, mm-hmm. our Providence Culinary Training Program. Mm-hmm. And that is giving people the tools to be able to, you know, find a career path, not mm-hmm. just a job, but a career path. So, you know, if you're out and you go locally to the Village Tavern or um, maybe Fratelli's or others, you know you're going to be eating um, food prepared by some um, wonderful graduates of our program who have been trained by literally some of the top chefs in this region. And one of them, Jeff Bacon, who is literally a world-renowned chef. And so these are really talented individuals that are training and preparing these folks to be have great careers. So that's, you know, we're looking at that. We're also working with Foresight Tech and Goodwill around some supply chain training. Hmm. You know, when you're moving 35 tons of food a day, you've yep. got a lot of, you know, warehouse learning that happens. And why not help students, why not create a learning environment? So for us, it's addressing that, you know, that root cause piece by giving some people the tools. The other piece that's very important are policies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you always hesitant to get into politics, and it's really not about politics. Mm-hmm. It's about asking our elected officials to make common sense decisions about. Um, I know asking a lot sometimes. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> to do their job <laughs> exactly. I don't yeah. think we have any politicians that listen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Well, yeah, make sure. Not they, yet. We're going to send it to them. Make sure they don't shut down the government right. um, and uh, put people at risk of more food insecurity. Right. Very important. Do the job. And also just think things from a common sense standpoint about what can help individuals on a path towards success. Mm-hmm. And listen to people who, you know, work in community, work directly with individuals, and apply those lessons not come in with an ideology of, well, this is what needs to happen. You know, I've been doing this for three decades. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I can reflect experience. We can have people who are facing food insecurity have those conversations directly with elected officials, people who are facing, you know, substance abuse in their families to talk with officials, uh, elected uh, representatives to say, here are things that our family needs. And so in our world... It's about smart policy that provides the right support, uh, balancing, again, the immediate challenge, mm-hmm. you know, again, fiscal responsibility mm-hmm. with fiscal preparation for the future. Yeah. If we're not investing in good early childhood education, you mm-hmm. want a long-term solution, early childhood education, um, and also early childhood education and early childhood education. Um, you you want to pick one of those? Uh, yeah, any, any of those three. You just um, rank them in order. Yes, exactly. You know, it is about you know making sure we support good education, not only early but also throughout, because these are the f- future workers. Yeah. You know, these are the folks who you know are going to be replacing you know a generation of people as we have a very much a, a, you know an aging population. 
is if we're not investing in that, this is going to be a problem for the United States from a competitiveness standpoint. Mm -hmm. And none of us want that. So food is foundational and other good policies surrounding that can create that economic driver that helps our community succeed. Do we have some uh, names of politicians, of our leaders in in our town that are uh, that you feel are listening? Well, you just mentioned that maybe there's not any currently listening to the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I hope all of them will now yeah. now tune in. I but mean, when you think of uh, our local leaders yeah. who, who are listening to gentlemen like you who are telling the need, providing some insight, yeah. Um, one is, I think, the folks at the General Assembly okay. um, are doing a great job on both sides of the aisle. They really understand. I think they're closest to it. So right? yeah. from a state standpoint, they understand that this is a bipartisan issue and they need to rally and, and support some things. I think we've seen it with um, uh, you know, the expansion of Medicaid mm-hmm. um, was very meaningful. Some policy around school lunches, it mm-hmm. was good. Not quite as far as we might have seen it to do universal free lunches, but some really nice steps that, that were, were well done. I think at a federal level, you know, things are so, you know, um, yeah. partisan that yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult. You know, we, we're fortunate. Everybody believes in our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a nice job of some investment with helping us to secure some federal commodities. Um, but that has decreased over the past couple of years. That is not good timing. You know, uh, guys, one of the things that we've seen, we'll just take September as an example. If you go back to September of 22, our network served... Um, you know, 45,078 um, individuals. And I okay. did read that off a piece of paper. Just for that. <laughs> that's right. Um, so I'm, you the, see, I got notes here. I'm going on. Okay, that's good. Right. So if we look at September of this year, that number was 68,596. We're talking a difference of 23,518 more people, unduplicated, yeah. sought assistance. Wow. Between 22 and 23. Right. Just, and that's just one month we're talking about. Mm. We think over the entire year the difference is going to be well over 300,000 more people and, in our region. And this is just the northwest North Carolina Exactly. Good it is really tough. So that should say something to our elected officials like, okay, just ask the question yeah. why. What's going on and what can we do? And, and we've had, you know, we've been very fortunate to host a lot of folks and we have, we really try to have candid conversations. And I, I credit the, the North Carolina representatives in, in our region for being willing to um, have the conversation, mm-hmm. even if we disagree. Mm. Um, and, you know, some folks just say, listen, that's great. You know, you want us to invest more, but what about the federal debt? Right. And it's just like, okay, well, if you don't have successful workers in the future, the debt won't matter. So maybe we need to make other choices, um, you know, with, you know, what about, you know, there, there's a lot of things, again, getting into <laughs> politics is never a good, good thing. And my team knows that I can dive into that a little, very easily. But, um, you know, again, common sense is yeah. a big thing and, you know, making sure we're working together and listening to constituents um, who are facing the issues in life and not just saying, this is my ideology and I need to protect my ideology. Put people first. Yeah. So, 
Well, great. Well, it doesn't sound right, but I think you've come to the end of another that don't sound right. Eric, we want to thank you for being here tonight. Uh, I know it's late. I know you got a big day probably tomorrow, and, and uh, but we do we do we really do appreciate here. it. Thanks for being with us and sharing your insights. And I thank you for the work that you do. Yes. I know I can't imagine um, maybe that there's a burden on your shoulders, and I thank you for carrying that for our community here in Northwest North Carolina. Well, Peter, Cecil, it's a pleasure to be with you. Appreciate what you do to tell not only this story, but the other stories you tell. Um, right. It's very meaningful to all of us. So, um, you know, just encourage people to get involved in the way that they are called to do. And one way we are calling people to get involved is through the Ardmore Ra. Uh, this is the first time we've done this, but we are a proud sponsor of the Ardmore Ra. <laughs> it is an annual event with hundreds of runners and thousands of fans in the beautiful historic neighborhood of Ardmore in Winston-Salem. Ra, R-A-H, stands for Run Against Hunger because it's a food drive with all the net proceeds benefiting the Second Harvest Food Bank of Northwest North Carolina, which assists food insecure and at-risk families and children right in our own neighborhoods. Since its inception, more than $286,000 has been donated to the food bank, $26,000 last year alone, and that $286,000 has provided more than 2 million meals to our neighbors. The 2023 RA will be held on October 21st. So if you're listening right now, when this podcast drops, that's in a week. Yep. In a week. And it features a one-mile fun run, a 5K, and a 10K. The race is designed for everyone, from lightning-fast runners and avid athletes to power walkers and first-time participants. You can donate, volunteer, or run at the race website, ardmorerod.com. The link is also featured on our website, thatdontsoundright.com. Leave out the apostrophe. We hope to see you there at our booth because Cecil's just dying to tell you something. <laughs> so we've got the Ultimate Roadside Pick uh, giveaway, which was the grill that we have found. It's a brand new grill, four burners, stainless steel. Stop by the booth, prove that you listen to us, and you can have an entry to win the grill. The full tank of propane is worth it. And Eric, you are you are eligible. You, that's right. So, uh, I, why don't you, if you want to come by and uh, show us that you listen, I, I we'll, we'll, that. we'll put I your we'll put that. your name in a hat. So that don't sound right is a production of TDSR podcast in conjunction with Camel City Studios. I'm your co-host and sound engineer. Peter is your other host and web designer. Go by and see the website. Camille is our part-time barista. Emily does our graphic design. Ella is our Instagram coordinator. Giorgio Test, our merchandise. Brent is our international brand ambassador. And as always, listener number one is Scott. So until next week, keep talking. And stay curious. Stay curious.